The Big Schmear is brought to you by Ish Premium Horseradish. With a unique freshness, delicious flavor, and tantalizing texture, Ish is the surprise condiment that brings something special to everything and anything you add it to. From gefilte fish to vanilla ice cream, Ish transforms the ordinary into the extraordinary. For more ideas, visit premiumish.com. Just having the opportunity to be able to make such a difference, there's something really hopeful and uplifting in that. You know, when we're driving around and dropping off hand sanitizer at hospitals and you see the faces of people, you know, how relieved and happy they are to get help. And these are people who are also helping. It's, I think, been a really wonderful experience for everybody at Koval. It's not been easy, but it has been incredibly fulfilling experience. Hi, and welcome to The Big Schmear, the podcast celebrating Jewish food, culture, and history. I'm your host, Beth Schenker. In a previous two-part episode with Koval Distillery about a year or so ago, I identified myself as a huge fan of the distillery and their many fine whiskeys and liqueurs, which I have to admit I've been sampling more frequently these days, but that's another story for a very different day. Today, we're going to talk about Koval Distillery with a new focus. So I've invited back Dr. Sonnet Birkener-Hart, president of Koval Distillery, to talk about their new contribution to much-needed healthcare resources during COVID-19. Hi, Sonnet, and welcome back to The Big Schmear. Uh, thank you very much. It's a real pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for joining me today. I know you and your company are swamped with work. But before we get into our conversation, I want to publicly acknowledge Koval as one of our community's big heroes. I'm just really honored to have you on the Big Schmear. Thanks. Oh, thank you. It's, it's an honor for us to be on as well. So, Sonnet, for those not yet familiar with Koval Distillery, can you provide just a brief summary of your mission and the work you did up until COVID-19 so everyone will have the same context uh, for the rest of our conversation? Absolutely. So Koval Distillery uh, started in Chicago in about 2008, and we were the first distillery in Chicago since the mid-1800s. And since then, we have produced organic and kosher spirits and have distributed them throughout the world. We're in about 55 export markets, making us one of the most widely distributed, completely independent and women-owned independent distilleries in the United States. So that's what we've been up to. Uh, and now we're doing something different. <laughs> yeah, really different. <laughs> so maybe uh, let's start with saying exactly what you are doing now and what service you're providing. Absolutely. So right now, uh, we are producing hand sanitizer. And this was something that we started doing as soon as it became legal. I believe it was on March 16th at night. I think that was a Thursday evening. We got the federal go-ahead from the TTB to make hand sanitizer because until that point, it was actually illegal for a distillery that makes alcohol for consumption to make alcohol for anything else. And so once we got the go-ahead, 
you know, we worked around the clock. We had like a day and weekend. And that that following Monday, I was out delivering a hand sanitizer to first responders. And our first stop was sort of the Chicago Police Department. Wow. So that all that you said makes it sound like it was like, oh, okay, today we'll do this now. And <laughs> and now we're doing it. But that's not real, is it? <laughs> I know. <laughs> There's a lot that went into it. <laughs> So, you know, it, we, we saw this coming uh, on, on many levels, not least because a lot of our business in Europe was affected, but also because my husband and I are fluent in uh, German, French, and so we would be watching the European press uh, news reports online and seeing how this was really devastating Europe. And with that in mind, we knew that America would not be immune to this uh, scourge. And so we started thinking about what we could do. We thought about what some of our colleagues abroad were doing. And the idea of hand sanitizer certainly came up. Um, and it, we weren't alone in this by any means in the United States. There were distilleries all across the U.S. that were interested in switching gears and making hand sanitizer with the knowledge that this was such a scarce resource and highly needed for first responders and those on the front lines of this health crisis. But being that it was a federal offense, uh, we really needed to get things addressed with our governing organization, which is the TTB, and uh, before we were able to do it. And so we worked with DISCUS, which is our trade organization, the TTB, uh, and also locally we worked, uh, we reached out to the city of Chicago as well as the state our congressman, Quigley, and everyone was very helpful. And luckily, the, the federal government gave us the go-ahead. So what does that mean exactly? I, You know, I've walked through your distillery, and are we talking about just new processes or new equipment? or So what does that mean? Sure. It's really an entirely new company, <laughs> ah. and in every single way. And you know, we started thinking about it before it became legal and looking into supply chains for some of the ingredients, for example, that we would need. Not like we normally kept a lot of hydrogen peroxide, you know, laying around. <laughs> <laughs> and so we had to figure out a whole new set of supply chains. We had to set up an entirely new process in our facility that uh, would separate out the production of hand sanitizer from our other products, our whiskeys and our gins and liqueurs. We did not want to use uh, the same bottling line, so we had to set up a completely new bottling line for this. And in addition to that, there were all sorts of safety measures that needed to be taken with using such things as like a caustic chemical, which like hydrogen peroxide. Team, you know, normally works with very benign, you know, raw materials like rye and oat. <laughs> and this was a whole new ballpark for us. And so we had to figure out how to do that and put all of these new safety measures in place, in addition to the safety measures related to social distancing and making sure that everybody in the facility is able to stay healthy and has all the right PPE to stay protected. So that's one side of it. Wow, that's but huge. All, yeah, there's more. But wait, there's more. <laughs> so then there's the whole other side of it that people really don't think about. They think it's just, oh, well, it's a different recipe and it's a different production situation. But it's actually an entire back end 
of data that needed to be developed. And this took, we started working on it right away when it became legal. And it was something that we constantly tweaked every single day. We're talking, you know, until two in the morning, three in the morning, every night for a number of weeks until it was the way we really wanted it to be. So there were really stages of the whole organizational flow of this that we went through that was full of of learning curves and technological advances and innovation that we had to engage in to make it possible for the flow of all of this to work well so that we can keep all of the information coming into us so that we could log all of the new products that were the new product we were making. I mean, all of this needs to be logged and organized. But then there were two other sides of it from sort of a tech standpoint, even three sides of it. One was that when we first started all of this, we assumed that our foray into hand sanitizer was going to be in the spirit of pikuach nefesh and trying to do what we can preserve life with our equipment and our resources. And we wanted to make a few batches that we would then just donate on our dime, you know, Mm -hmm. to first responders, which is what we did and what was our original plan. What we did not realize when we did that was that in getting press for doing that, we would receive hundreds and then thousands of requests from first responders from health organizations, from nonprofit organizations, all in desperate need of hand sanitizer and unable to find it. And so we were overwhelmed with this. And luckily, we'd already started working on a database for requests that would come in. And we just had to really work on developing the tech side of it because with so many requests coming in and we needed to vet the requests, we needed to make sure that that there was an entire process from receiving a donation request to logging it, to making it, to, uh, you know, depletions of our, our supply to then, you know, the logistics of actually getting it out. I mean, we've never been a logistics company. We, we have one customer in Illinois. <laughs> That's it. And so we would, and they would pick up from us. You know, we were never in the business of delivering to anybody because when you make alcohol for consumption, you are not allowed to sell it directly to retailers, hotels, restaurants, bars. You always go through a distributor. So in this new situation, which was at first very much sort of a nonprofit situation, we were doing everything. So from, you know, the everything, including the deliveries. Jeez. And also realized once we started getting hundreds and then thousands of requests, that we could not do this alone. I mean, we could not donate ourselves into bankruptcy. That would be irresponsible for <laughs> right. the company and all the people working for it. But yet we wanted very badly to figure out a way to continue donating. And since all the requests were coming to us, we sort of felt a moral responsibility for finding a way to fill these requests. And so we needed help. Yeah. And so we reached out to the community, in fact, not just our community, but in, in a way the world's community, by starting a GoFundMe campaign. And with the GoFundMe campaign, we raised, I think now over $72,000 that allowed us to continue buying supplies and equipment and really running our entire facility just to make product for donation. 
and we received such an outpouring of help and assistance from the community just financially through this GoFundMe campaign uh, that we were able to fill so many of the requests that had come in that we just would not have been able to otherwise. But in addition to that, you know, we were also very humbled by not just the outpouring of financial assistance through the GoFundMe campaign and companies such as Adelson PC that, that donated a lot of money uh, for this and other organizations that worked with us in tandem, so beyond Chicago and 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 many others, but we were incredibly you know, heartened and, and humbled by the fact that people reached out and other companies reached out to help us in other ways. So sort of in kind ways, uh, quite literally in both senses of the word. So mm-hmm. we had uh, bottle companies that were able to donate certain bottles to us so that we could fill things uh, mm-hmm. into their bottles and get them out for free. We had logistics companies uh, reach out to us and offer to deliver all of the donations for us for free, uh, whether it was Medline, uh, which is a medical uh, delivery service, to you know an elevator company in Chicago, to a recycling company in Chicago. You know, these, these are all really uh, <laughs> amazing offers of help that, that we uh, were able to use <laughs> very, very seriously dramatically yeah. <laughs> to get this product out. I mean, even Choose Chicago, which is the Chicago Board of Tourism, offered drivers to deliver these hand sanitizer donations. So yes. we created not just ourselves, but with the help of our community, an entire infrastructure for getting these donations out. And then, you know, more people became inspired. The entire brewing community of Chicago, breweries, uh, you know, such as Metropolitan Brewing Company, Goose Island, Temperance in Evanston, and so many more. A lot, a lot of the breweries on Malt Row, where Koval is, Urban Renewal, and others, including even distributors of beer brought us tankers of beer and totes of beer and kegs of beer that we were then able to distill and turn into hand sanitizer and donate even more. So it's really been just a domino effect of you know, loving kindness yes. from our community to make this possible. But that was only, you know, as I said, one part of it. So then the other things that we had to do is, you know, we realized we, we also need to, like any family business this time, it, these are difficult times. And so we decided to start selling hand sanitizer as well, business to business. And we needed an entire separate back end for the business to business sales than from our nonprofit side of things, because we wanted to document everything that we were doing very carefully with the nonprofit pictures, especially because so many people had helped us. We want to be very transparent about where everything was going. And so then when we started the business end of it, that required a completely separate back end. And then in addition to that, most recently, about last week, we decided to reopen our store for contactless pickup, which required us to create an entire online store and presence <laughs> because people need to be able to purchase the product in advance so all they have to do is come and pick it up. And we had to then build out an entire sort of separate door with like sort of like a little doggy like slot <laughs> where right. my team could, without any contact with the outside, put somebody's order in it, close the door, and then the people on the outside could then get their order just because we wanted to make things safe. So 
it's it's almost as if we've started multiple new businesses. That's what I was just going to say. It's been intense. Ah, and you know, I'm remembering back to you telling me about your early days of time where you would wind up sleeping on a sofa because it was like three in the morning. And and now it sounds like you've done that over and over, like to develop all these new businesses. It's remarkable you're still standing. Um, Although I can't see you, maybe you're not. Uh, It's just, it's really remarkable. Wow. It's been intense. And, and, you know, all this in a two-bedroom apartment with my kids doing all their classes. Oh, my goodness. It's been, it's been an experience. <laughs> so I have so many questions, but I'm going to try not to keep you on the line for so long. But I guess my first question is, how did your staff actually work with you on this? Like, were they also 100% behind it? And how did you do the transition people-wise um, in terms of, different protocol, um, how the social distancing and do you need to be wearing right. a mask and all of that? Right. Well, my team has been supernatural. I mean, they, they have been amazing throughout all of this. And I, I also think just having the opportunity to be able to make such a difference. And there's something really hopeful and uplifting in that. You know, when we're driving around and dropping off hand sanitizer at hospitals, and you see the faces of people, you know, how you know relieved and happy they are to get help. And these are people who are also helping, you know, it's sure. like trying to help the helpers. It's, I think, been a really wonderful experience for everybody at Koval. It's not been easy, but it has been uh, an incredibly fulfilling experience. I will say that at Koval, we started transitioning early. We sent everybody to work in the office, like the office team. We sent them to work from home already, I believe, in the second week of March. This Mm. was before they had the sort of stay-at-home orders. And so most of my team, with the exception of those that were working in the factory, are working from home. And what ended up happening with them is, of course, as we created all of these new systems and switched over to hand sanitizer, they had to learn uh, a whole new business as well. And all the new systems related to the business. But they did it, and they did it quickly. And, of course, every few days we had new advances, and we improved upon the systems, which meant they had to learn new iterations of the system (laughs) all the time. But they understood the importance of what we were doing because even the business-to-business sales were important. I mean, these are essential businesses that needed this to stay in business. I mean, right. these are the people that were delivering everybody's food, and these were the people that were keeping your gas on, and these are the people that were working for so many essential businesses across Illinois that couldn't find hand sanitizer and were able to get it from us. You know, even the, the trains, you know, we, we, we were able to work with uh, train companies that were shipping toilet paper across the country, for example. So, I mean, these are, these were a lot of essential businesses. So we really felt a part of kind of this big effort mm-hmm. to keep things moving, which I think was very inspiring, not just for me, but for my whole team. And the work was just part of it. And the new systems was just part of it. And people knew the importance of it. But with regard to the factory, we were very lucky because we work with grain and we mill grain. My team that works in the my distillery team, they have masks that are very, very high level full face masks that also have like filters and, mm. uh, and everything. And so 
they already had that kind of equipment and they also had sanitizer. (laughs) (laughs) We were making it. So, you know, and then we had to put in place, you know, different sorts of shifts and ways to keep people apart. And certainly when it came time to having lunch, you know, making sure that people were not eating close to each other. So there were a lot of things that we had to do and then also create all sorts of systems for how people would pick up whether it was at the main production facility for bulk orders or at the store for individual gallon orders, for example. Those were two different processes that needed to be developed and honed. So, yeah, I mean, everyone just rolled with it, and they've done an amazing job. So tell me, do you think, and I know it's hard to, nobody really knows anything about what's going to happen, even a month from now, but do you see that your orders are growing? Have they maxed out? Do you know what I mean? Like, is there still that demand that there was even two or three weeks ago? For hand sanitizer? No. I mean, I feel that I know that there's been just in being now in the hand sanitizer business, I know that a lot of the medical supply companies that were originally purchasing from us were awaiting shipments from China. And I'm sure they've gotten them now. And so there's that. But there is still some need for sure, just because the new normal is going to require for everybody new new, new ways of looking at sanitation. And, you know, I think that that's going to be true for everything from how we greet each other. I don't imagine people are going to be shaking hands and hugging and kissing anytime <laughs> soon, you know, or their, right. their friends or family necessarily. I mean, family maybe, but certainly like people that they just meet to how restaurants and bars and office buildings and really anybody that has sort of a public area where people can go to deal with sanitation and making sure that people's hands are clean before they touch an elevator or or anything for that matter. I see that sanitation is going to be on the minds of everybody. So, you know, we'll see what that means for supply and demand of hand sanitizer and local grown hand sanitizer over what uh, might be coming uh, over from abroad. But I do see that there's going to be certainly a new normal. I mean, when it comes to spirit sales, uh, those are down <laughs> for sure. I mean, in Europe, everything is at a standstill. I mean, wow. Europe was affected by this before the United States. It's only been I think about a week since even our warehouse opened up in Europe that would even allow us to ship out to our partners uh, throughout Europe. And even so, they're still dealing with a lot of issues. And while they're very slowly opening up, even a country such as Germany that dealt with this problem very early on and quite frankly, I would say a little more efficiently than the United States uh, has, when it comes to testing and closing things down, social distancing and and also antibody testing, for example. Even Germany is debating what it means to open up. And really, I think it's only um, Saxony or one, one area of Germany that is trying to open up and open up restaurants this coming week. Mm. And even they say that, you know, should there be more cases, they will probably have to close them. Right. So it's really trial and error, even for places that have flattened the curve and are trying to now open up. I mean, in Illinois, we're still only in phase two. Mm -hmm. So we'll see how long it takes. 
So are you able to manufacture your usual products and hand sanitizer at the same time? Well, yes and no. So yes, whiskey production we've been able to do in the sense of getting it ready for sale. So the whiskey that would go through our bottling line was actually made for at least four years ago. So it's really just a matter of taking it out of the barrels and then putting it through our bottling line, which, as I said, we separated out from our hand sanitation bottling line. Mm. So we, we have been doing that. We have not, uh, just because there's been such a demand, we have not made whiskey for probably a, a month and a half, almost two months. We would then age. So the new make that we then put into the barrels for aging, we have not made that at all. So that means, you know, four years from now, we're going to have a lot less products available than we normally would have because we spent so much time completely pivoting and only making hand sanitizer when we would normally be using our equipment to make uh, whiskey. So now we might, we'll, we'll see how it goes. We might be shifting to make some um, and having sort of like an on-off schedule mm-hmm. um, because, you know, the hand sanitizer itself is not made in the still. So the still really just makes the high-proof alcohol or it makes alcohol that is, whether it's the gin or the whiskey or it makes those products. And when we're doing hand sanitizer, we're really just making very high-proof alcohol. So, you know, in, in that sense, the process is similar off the still, um, but where it gets differentiated is in how it's then prepared and bottled. And so the preparation, whether it is going into whiskey uh, barrels or, you know, hand sanitizer is going to be different. Obviously, with hand sanitizer, it needs to be mixed with other ingredients. It needs to be denatured. It needs to, you know, have some glycerin in it and some hydrogen peroxide in order to meet the World Health Organization standards for hand sanitizer during this pandemic. So they have a recommended formula that we're following. It's also 80% alcohol, whereas for this crisis, I, you know, most of the conventional products were about 60 uh, 65% alcohol. That's why they were more gel-like because mm. there's a lot more glycerin in them oh. um, and other additives. So with our product, because it, we're following the World Health Organization standards, it's much more potent. So it's 80% alcohol and thus it's a lot more liquidy. Right. And so is your crowdsource funding still open for people to donate uh, if they would like to do that? Absolutely. Yes, it is. I mean, we've actually donated now over $100,000 worth of hand sanitizer, so well more than the GoFundMe has raised. But we appreciate everything that comes in uh, via the GoFundMe campaign. It certainly helps to push this forward to make it possible for us to donate more. So, sure, please. Tell, and tell <laughs> people where. Yeah, yeah, tell people how they find that. They can find it on our website at colvaldstory.com. They'll see something that, uh, a link to lead them to the GoFundMe campaign. Super. And um, that's for people who, of course, live in the Chicago area, but well beyond that. And then if someone's interested in finding or purchasing more of any of those products that you provide, I'm guessing that information is also on your website. It sure is, yes. Bulk sales, they can find the info on the website. And then for sales out of our retail store, 
that's uh, sort of Ravenswood, Andersonville, they'll find that as well. And it's through our retail store that they will also be able to purchase gin and whiskey and and other fun stuff, uh, t-shirts. A lot of fun stuff. (laughs) 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 Well, Sonnet, I want to thank you so much for doing the work that you're doing in our community. It's just such an amazing service. And what's so heartwarming is this new community that's grown up with you um, and through you to be able to distribute these important products. And um, I know you're busy. I'm going to let you go, but I want to thank you so much for joining me today. It is such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me uh, on the show. I really appreciate it. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. To schmooze. (laughs) Yes, I love it too. (laughs) Wonderful. Well, be well. Thank Thank you. you. My recording and mix engineer is Steve Robinson. The Big Schmear theme music is performed by Cavatina Duo from their CD entitled Sephardic Journey on the CD record label. If you like The Big Schmear, please don't forget to subscribe and to write a review or share a like on my Facebook page. All this really helps the podcast grow. If you have any comments or questions, I'd love to hear from you. Please email me at beth at thebigschmear.com. And be sure to check out my website, thebigschmear.com, to find recipes shared by my guests. I'm Beth Schenker, the host of The Big Schmear. Thank you for listening, and happy eating. Big Schmear is brought to you by Ish Premium Horseradish. With a unique freshness, delicious flavor, and tantalizing texture, Ish is the surprise condiment that brings something special to everything and anything you add it to. From gefilte fish to vanilla ice cream, Ish transforms the ordinary into the extraordinary. For more ideas, visit premiumish.com.